It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I want a baller like the Wizards. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blue, I'm on the net. Girl, she went shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. Hey guys, welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Trey Halliburton. And today I'll be talking about the Wizards uh, starting their road trip on the West Coast. Um, they, they lost to the Utah Jazz on Friday, but they picked up a big win over the Golden State Warriors um, Sunday night, in which they won 124-110. to 110. And uh, I know that the, uh, the, the Warriors, they were kind of in the same position that the Wizards were in for the month of January, where they were playing essentially their, their G League roster. Um, you know, the Warriors, they, they, they were supposed to have Steph Curry – uh, who was supposed to come back into the lineup um, and make his return after missing 50-plus uh, games with a broken wrist. But that did not happen. Um, I guess he had a, a little bit of a setback, and the Warriors are being really cautious about it. Now, who knows if if they're really, uh, you know, sitting them out because they're they're tanking. But, you know, uh, all, all, all that matters here is that Steph Curry did not play um, on March 1st against the Wizards. And so the Wizards really came out and they took care of business, you know, against uh, Marquise Chris and Damian Lee and Jagan Bender and Andrew Wiggins. Uh, shout out Eric Pascal though, because he, he was out there putting in work. Um, he actually uh, had 17.7 rebounds. Uh, it, it seemed like he had more rebounds, and a lot of his rebounds seemed to be of the offensive uh, variety. Uh, he actually finished with five offensive rebounds and a good number of putbacks and he was he was being very physical with the um with the Wizards bigs specifically uh with Thomas Bryant and Mo Wagner so uh that th- that leads me to the first uh thing that I want to talk about with the game from yesterday is the fact that Scott Brooks finally decided that okay Jan Mihimi probably is going to be out of the rotation and so with that game, uh, Thomas Bryant was inserted into the starting lineup for Mahimi, who had basically started the the, the last, uh, I, I would say, about 20, 20 to 30 games for the Wizards. And you know, he had done a decent job as the starting center for the Wizards. But, I mean, it just became very apparent that, you know, Jan Mahimi is not going to be a part of the future of the Wizards and if this year is going to really be about growth and development, then it really actually made no sense for the team to, you know, keep uh, throwing him out there in the starting lineup. I, I, I very much uh, like the fact that uh, Scott Brooks ended up benching Mahimi and inserting Thomas Bryant into the starting lineup. So Thomas Bryant, uh, as the starter yesterday, he still only played 15 minutes because he's still on a minutes restriction. Um, given the fact that you know he he still had he's still recovering really from that stress reaction in his foot, 
And so you, if you remember that, uh, you know, he, he had the stress reaction in his foot and he missed a, a good chunk of time and then he came back and, and then he had a, you know, reaction to that stress reaction. And so he missed about, uh, another, uh, uh, three or four games. And so, you know, he's still on a minutes restriction right now. I, I believe that uh, he his minutes restriction is about 20 minutes per game. And so Scott Brooks, he he doesn't want to, you know, put in too much wear and tear on Thomas Bryant's body. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that Yamahimi has to be playing. And so last night we saw, uh, you know, Thomas Bryant start. He played 15 minutes a game. Uh, he, t- he played 15 minutes yesterday. Um, Mo Wagner played 11 minutes and he kind of struggled mightily. He was one of those bigs that was getting kind of tossed around by Eric Pascal underneath the basket. And Scott Brooks actually uh, went to his bag of tricks for a little bit. He played uh, our, our guy, big AP, uh, Pasignix, and AP came in and, and actually played uh, fairly decent yesterday. You know, he only had uh, three points and one rebound in 11 minutes of action. And he, he actually finished with a, a, a plus minus of plus 10 in 11 minutes of action. So for him to only play 11 minutes and to impact the game in that way where, you know, he was a, a, a positive uh, plus minus for the game, I think it really shows that, you know, he, he had a, a decent impact on the game. And I, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the box score, and he didn't have any blocks listed. But he 100 uh, percent affected the shot shots of um, the Warriors players at the rim, and so whether he was you know credited with a block, he was in there altering shots and you know f- forcing them to, to to take different types of shots, and, and that in itself is a good defensive effort for the Wizards. I, I was fairly impressed with the effort. From Washington yesterday, and I know that you know the team that they were playing, you know, wasn't the best team. You know that that Warriors team was essentially a G League roster, and so for the Wizards to come out there and and take care of business of against that team, it's not really like much of an accomplishment. You know, it, it's something that I believe that you know it, it's it could be a building block for them. And like I said, they're on this uh, you know five game West Coast road trip. And so they already started out the road trip uh, with, with with loss to the Utah Jazz, but they'll be able to continue this trip, and they have games against um, the Sacramento Kings and in another game against the Portland Trailblazers. So that, that those two games are going to be on Tuesday and Wednesday, and they will be a uh, on back-to-back nights. So that, that'll be very important for the Wizards to you know maintain their status in the playoff hunt, because, you know, right now, as you look at the NBA standings, the Wizards are four games back of the Brooklyn Nets. And mind you that the that the Wizards have already beaten the Nets twice this year. So they hold the tiebreaker over the Nets. So, you know, this, um, the, the, this Wizards team being able to stay in the playoff hunt, you know, despite their struggles throughout the majority of the season is actually – uh, quite amazing when you really think about it. And one of the reasons why I believe that the Wizards are going to be able to compete and 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 stay in the playoff hunt and actually make it difficult for the Nets 
is the fact that they're playing much better defense now since they've traded Isaiah Thomas. So I'm going to take a quick break here. And on the other side of that break, I'm going to dive into why I believe the Wizards have been so much better defensively without Isaiah Thomas in the starting lineup. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So yeah, the Wizards have been a much better defensive team without having Isaiah Thomas in their starting lineup or in the rotation in general. Um, the Wizards actually have the seventh best ranked defensive rating in the NBA since February 6th. And that was the day that the Wizards traded Isaiah Thomas away and brought in Shabazz Napier and Jerome Robinson. Now, I know that there has been a lot of talk about, you know, Bradley Beal and Rui Hashimura and Thomas Bryant being three of the worst defenders in the entire NBA. And while I don't think that Beal has brought forth the best effort on the defensive end for this season, I will contend until the end of time that you know, it was very difficult for Bill to come out there and put forth maximum defensive effort when he's starting in the backcourt with literally one of the worst defenders that anybody has ever seen play an NBA basketball game. And that's not, you know, to disparage Isaiah Thomas as a person or to talk badly about him or to try to show him up. But at the end of the day, Isaiah Thomas had very serious uh, physical limitations as far as what he could do on the basketball court on the defensive standpoint. And those physical limitations combined with uh, a, a, complete, a complete lack of effort, it, it really kind of hindered the Wizards for the majority of their season so far because they, they really weren't able to, you know, get their defensive strategy you know, uh, under wraps because, I mean, they're essentially playing four on five for the majority of the season. My biggest thing is I'm, I still haven't figured out why it is that Isaiah Thomas played as much as he did and for as long as he did, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think that if there were to be a blemish on uh, Tommy Shepard's uh, record as the general manager of the team, it would have to be going out and bringing in Isaiah Thomas and, you know, uh, essentially uh, torpedoing the Wizards' defense for more than half of the season. Scott Brooks has to have some culpability in this because, you know, yes, um, you know, Tommy Shepard brought in Isaiah Thomas, but that doesn't mean Scott Brooks had to play him, you know, 25 minutes a night, 30 minutes a night. And, you know, as the season wore along, uh, Scott Brooks began to play Isaiah Thomas less and less, 
And, you know, especially uh, when it came to closing out games. So he at some point he did realize that, you know, if I, if I want to win some of these basketball games, we can't be out here playing Isaiah Thomas in the fourth quarter of these competitive games and actually have a chance to win. So the Wizards, you know, with them not playing Isaiah Thomas, they have been able to come out and really take advantage of, you know, a lot of great defensive matchups. They, they've been coming out and they've played exceptionally well on the defensive end. Um, I want to shout out to uh, Lamar Unleashed and to uh, Average Bro Show, my, my, my guy Jay. They're the ones who started the conversation on Twitter about the uh, team's defensive rating since uh, Isaiah Thomas has been out. And Lamar Unleashed actually went and went on NBA.com and found the advanced stats, and he posted it, and, and I, I, I uh, quote tweeted it, so it's on my Twitter page. But, yeah, the Washington Wizards have a 108.9 defensive rating since February 6th, and that ranks seventh in the entire NBA, only behind the Milwaukee Bucks, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Toronto Raptors, the Indiana Pacers, the Charlotte Hornets, and the Wizards' Tuesday opponent, the Sacramento Kings. Those teams have higher defensive ratings than the Wizards over the last three weeks or so. But I think it's very important to note that, you know, the Wizards have been one of the worst teams in the history of the NBA over the course of, you know, the the first four months of the season. And... With them trading Isaiah Thomas and into it, they're already a top 10 defensive rating team. I mean, that that really lets you know everything about what Isaiah Thomas was doing to hinder the Wizards' defensive effort. I mean, honestly, it it, it, it was it, it was kind of sad to, to, to watch Isaiah Thomas go out like that. I think that he is um, a very... A very interesting, peculiar case when you talk about uh, NBA players or professional athletes in general who go out of their way to 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 put their bodies on the line for the company. You know, Isaiah Thomas famously uh, had that uh, hip injury uh, actually in 2017 in the playoffs against the Wizards, and he put his body on the line and willed the Boston Celtics to a Game 7 series win over the Washington Wizards. But, I mean, looking back on it, I guess if you had to ask Isaiah Thomas about that right now, he probably wishes that he would have shut down probably before that playoffs even started, had surgery on his hip, and, and worried about making sure that he he was able to come back and play at the level that he had grown accustomed to. Because at the end of the day, you know, Isaiah Thomas was – a you know a, a two-time all-star and an all-NBA performer and you know when he was traded from the Boston Celtics to the Cleveland Cavaliers you know they they essentially threw in the towel on him and that was uh I don't know that that really hurt him as far as a financial standpoint like this this is a guy who you know he kept saying oh man we're going to have to back up the Brinks truck in order for the team to be able whatever team to be able to pay him. And ever since he has, you know, asserted that, you know, he, he has only signed league minimum contracts over the last three or four seasons. 
And so that that's really sad when you think about it from a guy who was such a dynamic scorer, such a dynamic performer, you know, and and really helping turn the Boston Celtics around in the uh, post uh, KG Paul Pierce era. You know, Isaiah Thomas almost single handedly, you know, got that team and franchise back into the winner's circle. And so they they rewarded him by trading him out of town for Kyrie Irving. And and Kyrie Irving, you know, almost came in like a Trojan horse and 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 and, and broke down the Celtics organization from the inside. But you know, l- luckily for them, he ended up going ahead and leaving and going to uh, the Brooklyn Nets, and that has really opened up uh, a lot of space and and, and really opened up a, a, a lane for uh, Jason Tatum to kind of just take off as the superstar that we all thought that he could be. And everybody was wondering why it is that he had such a sophomore slump last year. And I think that it's safe to say that a lot of his struggles from last season can be attributed to the fact that he was playing next to Kyrie Irving. And, you know, Kyrie was being such a uh, ball-dominant player. And, you know, that that he probably stunted the growth of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who have been nothing short of amazing as a young wing duo in today's NBA. And so those guys are definitely striking fear into uh, opposing teams right now. And when you look at, you know, wing players in the NBA and what those wings can do in playoff matchups, you know, I'd rank Tatum and Brown just behind uh, Kawhi and Paul George with the Los Angeles Clippers. Must be nice because the Wizards are still struggling themselves to find their dynamic wings. Um, But I will say that I was very much encouraged by – Isak Banga's play yesterday, you know, he was essentially the, the, the three and D player that the Wizards have been looking for the entire season. You know, last night he hit uh, two three-pointers. So he hit back-to-back threes in the third quarter as the uh, Wizards were pulling away from the Golden State Warriors. And I was very impressed by Isak Banga's play. Uh, and, and Banga has, he's played uh, a lot better than, you know, Troy Brown Jr. has played the team's first-round draft pick from last year. And to be quite as it's kept, he's played uh, better than, you know, Jerome Robinson, the guy that they, you know, traded for uh, coming into this year or coming in at the trade deadline. So Isak Banga is actually the, the, the Wizards wing player who I am very much encouraged by. And, you know, I, I think that this season when we talk about growth and development, that, you know, the Isak Bonga's growth and development is just as important as Troy Brown's and just as important as Jerome Robinson's for the future of this Wizards franchise. He's a player that, you know, if he can continue to develop and, you know, he can turn into that, you know, Trevor Ariza light role for the Wizards, then he will definitely have a role for this team. And, you know, he, he'll be around and stick in the NBA for a while. I want to take another quick break. And on the other side of that break, I know that if you've been listening for 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 the last twenty minutes or so, that you're wondering why hasn't he talked about Bradley Bill? I want to have a, a good conversation about this tear that Bradley Bill is on and how he has come out and he's setting 
uh, Washington Wizards records. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, now, I'm going to finish up this conversation. I'm going to talk about uh, Bradley Bill and him continuing the tear that he's been on right now. Uh, Brad actually finished with 34 points uh, last night against the Warriors. And so, you know, that that, that, that was a good uh, mark for him to finish at because, you know, as we've all come to learn that, you know, the Wizards are 1-9 when Bill scores uh, 40 points or more. And so it looked like uh, at one point yesterday that Brad was going to, you know, be on pace for 40 or 50 points. He had uh, 22 points early in the game. I remember there was one point where, you know, the Warriors had 22 and Bradley Beal had 22 all by himself. But Steve Kerr did a good job of, you know, he, he called he called uh, two very early timeouts once Beal kind of got going. And I guess they, they threw out a box-and-one defense you know, uh, Steve Kerr said after the game, or Scott Brooks said after the game that that Steve Kerr had had thrown a a, a double team on a boxing one defense, and I, I don't know if that's even possible, seeing as how uh, boxing one defense is one player following uh, another opposing player around, and the other four players playing zone behind that. But I mean, I, I guess there, uh, if the if the one if the if the head of this of the of that boxing one defense was trying to trap Brad and uh, a part of the zone of one of the other four players was to trap Brad in a corner. I guess that could be a double team from a boxing one. It's not really a boxing one anymore. It's really something else. But, you know, um, like that, that just lets you know how great Brad has been because teams are literally making up defensive strategies to try to stop him as a offensive threat. And so when you look at what Brad has done over the last few games, I mean, it, it's been nothing short of amazing. You know, he, he's coming into uh, the night. I mean, he's putting up over the last five games, Brad is averaging 42 points per game, six assists on 51 shooting from the uh, 51% shooting from the floor, 53% shooting from the field, and 87% shooting from the free throw line. Now, I know that there was a there was a lot of conversation on Wizards Twitter last night about you know where Brad ranks among the All NBA uh, competition, and so I honestly think that Brad has a decent shot of making All NBA, but he it's going to be close. And right now, I think that there are five slots that I would say are solidified for All NBA guards. Uh, and that would leave one slot open for Brad to come in and take. And right now, the way that he's playing, I think that it's his for the taking. But the five guards that I would rank in front of Brad right now for all NBA because of the consistency that they've played with for the majority of the season, I would have to say that my first team all NBA guards would be James Harden and Luka Doncic. I think that those guys have been 
hands down, by far and away, the best guards in the NBA this season. And so, you know, I, I have no problem with those guys, uh, you know, being on all NBA in front of Brad. For my second team, I would have Damian Lillard, and I would have to go with uh, James Harden's Houston Rockets teammate, Russell Westbrook. I think that, you know, Westbrook, especially Westbrook, once the uh, once the Rockets traded away Clint Capella and they've gone with this small ball lineup where they don't have a center who's clogging up the paint, Westbrook has been dominant at attacking the basket. And so you look at his numbers and what he's been able to do, there's a case to be made that he's arguably been the best player for the Rockets over that stretch. And then when you look at what Damian Lillard has done, keeping the trailblazers afloat with, you know, I mean, shoot, the, the Blazers don't really have uh, that much more talent besides C.J. McCollum over the Wizards. And, you know, the, the, the Damian Lillard has been nothing short of phenomenal. He had a stretch where, you know, he, he was putting up numbers just like Bill is right now. Like, he was putting dropping 60s and 50s and hitting game winners and, you know, he, he was playing a, a, a high-level brand of basketball. And so I, I would dare to say that, you know, Damon Lillard will definitely make an all-NBA team in front of Bradley Bill. So that's uh, four players. That's uh, the first team and second team. And now we're down to third-team all-NBA for guards. My first third-team all-NBA guard would be Chris Paul. Now, I know that that, that, that was the point yesterday where we started getting into a little bit of arguments uh, among Wizards Twitter as to, you know, should Bradley Bill be ranked above Chris Paul? And while I think that Bill has had an amazing season, I think that Chris Paul should and is deserving to be ranked above Bill and probably will receive more votes than Bill when it comes to All-NBA. You know, the Oklahoma City Thunder were coming into this year and nobody really expected them to be in the playoff hunt. Nobody expected them to be able to come out and compete like they have. But this is a team that's on pace for 50-plus wins this year. And Chris Paul is a very, very, very big reason as to why. Uh, when you look at the uh, ESPN's uh, real plus-minus stat, and, and Chris Paul is top 10 in the NBA when it comes to real plus-minus for the year. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know he's so dynamic on the defensive end. He is a uh, an offensive creator for himself and others on that Oklahoma City team, and the fact that you know he is one of the most clutch players in the NBA for this season. He actually uh, leads the NBA in all clutch scoring, and so you know this is a guy. When you look at uh, the the Oklahoma City Thunder. And them being able to win so many close and contested games, it's because they have Chris Paul. Chris Paul's going out there and getting the job done and allowing his team to win games. You know, Brad has been on a scoring tear of late, but we're not going to act like that the Wizards didn't come out and lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Chicago Bulls coming out of All-Star break. Like, those are games where, you know, Bradley Bill, like, Bradley Bill has to play like the best player on the court. All NBA players don't come out and lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers after they fired their head coach. All NBA players don't come out and get out dueled by Colin Sexton in games. Like, that, that, that just doesn't happen. And so I think that Brad is on a tear right now, a scoring tear. 
But when it comes to being one of the best guards in the NBA, like I think that there are five guys that I would rank ahead of Brad right now. Now, when it comes to that sixth and final spot, I would actually have Brad over guys like Kemba Walker and and Kyle Lowry. To me, Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry is ineligible for All NBA after he tried to duck underneath Chris Middleton last week. Like once he pulled that move, I'm like, nah, this dude, this dude is out here. This it's too much tomfoolery with his game. And I know that Raptors Twitter will tell you that you know he's a gritty player and all that. Man, that's some BS, man. Like this dude is a he's a dirty basketball player and. You know, while I know that his team is winning, I think that, you know, Pascal Siakam has a lot more to do with that. And and Nick Nurse as a coach and Fred Van Vliet and those guys have a lot more to do with the Raptors winning than, you know, uh, 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 Kyle Lowry out here taking charges in all-star games and, and all this tomfoolery that he does. I think that Bill will have a legitimate chance to make all-NBA in that sixth and final spot. But I cannot see any possible way that he receives votes over those five guys that I named before. Anyway, I think that Bill is on a tear right now, and if he wants to make All-NBA, the best way for him to do that is to come out here and continue his uh, spirited play on both ends of the floor and for the Wizards to continue winning games. Now, I think that, you know, that, that win against the Golden State Warriors was, you know, it was something, but that Warriors team is not very good. I would be much more impressed if they were able to come out and play like that against, you know, teams like Sacramento and Portland who are, uh, you know, competitive in the playoff race on the Western Conference. You know, they, they, these are teams that they, they're trying to make the playoffs. And so if the Wizards could come out here and get two big road victories against those two teams, I would be much more impressed with them. And I actually look forward to that next game against the Sacramento Kings and seeing, you know, what Brad can do. Thank you guys for listening today, and I'm going to go ahead and, and end this podcast now, but but just know I have, I have some special guests lined up for this week, and, and, and we'll be able to, to analyze the Wizards games against the Sacramento Kings and the Portland Trailblazers. Chilling back, giving advice. I buy my girl shit that don't matter the price. They see that I'm taking it, try getting pants. Label money, I just telling advance. I ain't cheating, I'm just trying to dance. She just trying to have me up in the trance. I'm in a stripper like fuck it. They just trying to make some buckets. Love when I slap down my ones, but it bounced like a ball when I struck it. So if you ever see a real nigga like me, just let them live and just be how it be. Go to the club with them two and you'll see. With a J, we'll be on the same team. I wanna ball like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing on the net. Girl, she went shots for the team I was in high school with dreams Now I'm almost looking clean Teaching game like a dean Coach all these girls to a ring I 
attention game like a ding Coach all these girls to a ring I want a ball, I like the whistles Yeah, you know what I mean When I'm blue, I'm on the net Girls, you a shot for the team I was in high school with dreams Now I'm almost looking clean Teaching game like a ding Coach all these girls to a ring Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.